I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I'm so excited about this week's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have the lovely and talented Stephanie Nass here. Um, Stephanie, also known as Chefanie, is a food personality. She owns a catering business. She's famous for her beautiful patterned treats and sheets that mimic fashion in cookies. And I just ate one in 30 seconds, like about a minute ago. So welcome. Thank you, Dr. Devkin, for having me. I love your podcast, and I feel so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to you. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, So we actually met at the Frick Ball, and um, you had a really cute... Um, Edie Parker clutch that said Chefity. Yes. And then we got to talking and it was so cool to learn about your business. Oh my gosh, that was a really fun party. It was a really good party. Yeah. And a cute bag. Yeah, and I always believe that you you know you went to a good party when you leave with a few friends and, and I definitely did that night including you so I'm very grateful. Um, tell us a little bit about your company. So I have a food brand called Chefney. Um, it's most well known for its line of um, cake and pastry decorating sheets. They come in a variety of patterns, the most of them I design myself, um, but we also do custom. We ship them all over the world. Um, and I work a lot with um, fashion brands and media companies uh, to customize sheets um, to market their products. Um, I demo them on TV. I um, cater in the same style. So, um, you know, creating food to represent a brand's identity Um, and I've been passionate about food for my whole life. I'm just so excited to be able to pursue it day to day. So when you were little, did you grow up in New York City? I grew up in Westchester. Okay. And um, did you think at that time that you were going to have a future in food? Did you like love to eat when you were little? So I grew up in a family where we had dinner together every single night. My mother would prepare these amazing feasts of, you know, duck and steak and um, vegetables and pastas and, you know, all these different things. And and dinner really represented this joyous celebration of being together. Um, I always attached so much significance to food for that reason. When I was 16, I moved to France, and that's when I started taking cooking lessons and really thought this could be um, my calling. And of course, you know, before before I was 16, I would bake and I would bake breads and cakes and and make breakfast for my family, and that's where I earned the nickname Chefany. So it was always part of my identity. Um, I think I knew that this would be my career, you know, from age 16 onward. Did you do anything in college to prepare yourself for this business? I actually did. So, um, I went to Columbia undergraduate and I would say if food is my number one passion, art is a very close second. Um, I studied art history at Columbia and I put all of my classes on two days of the week so that I could work in restaurant kitchens on the other days. Where did you work? I worked at a variety of places. Um, I worked at Bella Busta, mm-hmm. an Israeli restaurant, um, which was at the time on Mulberry Street. I worked at Park Avenue Seasons. I worked at a couple of bakeries. Um, and I also I also worked um, at art galleries and, you know, places in the art world. But I, I definitely was always interested in working and learning about how to run a business. 
Um, so when I graduated, I was like, okay, I know exactly what I want to do. I need to figure out the best steps to get there. Okay. And what were those steps? So you had this idea and, um, how did you kind of start? What was your first move? So, I mean, maybe it sounds crazy, but from like really, really from high school on, I was like, I want to be the next Martha Stewart. And by the time I graduated, I had, you know, cooked in a bunch of restaurants. I had all this training um, from my time in France and, of course, you know, learning from my mom at home. And I knew my aesthetic, but what I felt I was lacking was a business knowledge. So I thought, okay, how can I drink out of a fire hose? How can I learn business 101 as fast as possible? And I thought, hmm, maybe I should work for a fast growth tech company in Silicon Valley. So I applied for a job. My first job was as a financial analyst for a database software company. So very different day to day from what I do now. Um, and I really learned quickly. So I had responsibilities that someone, you know, not as junior as myself would normally have. Um, and I got to watch the company raise, you know, $150 million my first month of working there. And I got to do projections and I got to, you know, look at all these decks for venture capitalist investors. And, and I really got to see, understand, you know, numbers and what that all looks like. And I learned a great deal of discipline because, you know, when I was in college, I did so many creative things. I, I, um, I enjoyed it all, but when I had to sit in a chair for 15 to 20 hours a day and, you know, work until the project was done, I was like, you know, it was another level of working hard that um, really I applied day to day in my own business. So what made you leave the tech business? Um, you know, I really, uh, it was just a, a, an urge to start my own business and I hadn't, I hadn't started no, thinking I would stay there for a very long time. Um, a year and a half felt like enough, you know, and I was aching so much to do my own thing that um, I had to go do it. So when you decided that you wanted to do it, did you move back to New York? I moved back to New York the summer after I graduated within the company. So I did an internal transfer, moved to the New York office, and then started culinary school at night started you know formal culinary school at ICC in Soho I started hosting dinners in my then apartment and um and then when that just sort of I you know grew too large I, I just started pursuing all that full-time okay so tell us about the first days of Chefany. oh my gosh it was um the first days of Chefany. it was I honestly thought I was going to be a food blogger and I thought, you know, I looked at this food blog, which I still love, called My Name is Yay. And I started preparing all these recipes and photographing them. And I had all this extra food. And I thought, okay, I'll invite my friends over. Those dinners turned into a supper club called Victory Club, which still exists. And that is really the inspiration for my catering business, which today is a much larger business. Um, but it was very iterative. And, um, you know, I just had, you know, I just started cooking and, and saw where it led me and had to figure out how to turn it into a business. That's so interesting. Um, when you were food blogging, was that just something that you were doing because of passion or was there a profitability to it? Were you, you know, were you making money and supporting yourself at oh, that time? Oh, no. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, so in terms of that, like... When I struck out on my own, my parents, who sent me through private school, through college, and I, you know, had this idea I wanted to become a chef, they were like, okay, well, you're on your own. I had savings from my um, 
from my job um, in tech that you know I thought would just help you know comfortably get me through till my business became profitable. But you know actually it, it didn't work out that way. So I had to figure out. I began consulting actually to um, you know cover my living expenses until Chefney you know was able to support my lifestyle as well as the people who work for me. So. Um, there was like a bandage of consulting for a couple of years that helped me pay the bills until my business actually became profitable. Enough. Like business consulting or food consulting or um, what? It's kind of a combination of both. So consulting for food businesses on their menus and social media and actually optimizing their menus for social media. So um, I worked with a couple of restaurants here in New York and my expert, like my, you know, the best, what I did for them was help um, make items go viral. So there's a restaurant in Midtown Manhattan called Red Eye Grill. They have um, it's a steakhouse and they have seafood. And we came up with this sushi burger idea. And I worked with a chef, having gone to culinary school and having you know a knack for social media, specifically Instagram. And we created this tuna, you know, sushi burger of which is basically a spicy tuna roll in another shape. And I, you know, invited a couple influencer friends of mine to come sample it. Within 24 hours of making this sushi burger available, it was seen by 8 million people. And then, you know, just based on the impressions of those few friends and how it got shared from there. And this item wasn't on the menu for the first year of its availability, but it went completely viral and the restaurant sold thousands of them. So you know, that kind of thing where it's like, how can we strategically market this restaurant to a younger demographic? And, you know, I love photography. I love visuals. You know, my background is in art history. And so I just started working with food brands on that kind of thing on a monthly retainer, which is not a business I ever thought I was going to, you know, be in. But um, it just worked out that way. And it really taught me a lot because I got to work with these much older food businesses while I was growing my own. And it's really interesting and almost prescient in a way because that was sort of the height of the concept of Instagrammability where, I mean, now that's just a a known thing where if you have an event or you have a restaurant or a shop or something and there's nothing to Instagram, then you've got nothing at all. (laughs) Um, But um, I feel like that's a whole thing, like the black tap burger, you know, really frou-frou milkshake that everyone's putting on social media or the cronut or um you know they're all of these even what you do with your with the chef and sheets they're you know they're so they're so visual like they're tasty and delicious and edible but they're extremely visually compelling and there's this whole new category of food now at least from my standpoint that's like instagram worthy food yes Yes, and I think my timing was perfect, and I also just think I fell into it, and, you know, I had to, I had to figure it out, and I never worked as hard as I did, you know, went, you know, three years ago, um, when I was doing my own business and my own brand, as well as helping other um, businesses, but my timing was just great, and I really just hope to be part of the history of that one day when the textbooks get written. Well, that's really cool. Everyone wants to make it into a textbook, and I feel like you have a good maybe maybe the blog version of the textbook because you know right. paper is totally right. dead, right? Yeah, paper is best. Um, okay, so you got your feet on the ground with some consulting to tide you over, but in the meantime, you were building the concept of Chefany. Now, do you feel like the heart of your business is the catering company or the sort of 
more of the sheets. And tell us about the sheets. Um, so the sheets are, um, they're the thickness of, you know, letter paper, totally flexible, thin, and they're made of starches, tapioca starch, cornstarch, different starches, sugar, water, mixed like a big pancake batter, and then laid thin as paper. They dry out, and we screen print with food dye all different patterns onto them. So they're completely edible, also animal-free, you know, kosher. Um, and you just apply them onto frosting or icing or melted chocolate, and they stick. So... Again, I thought that was going to be, a, you know, a business that would be, you know, large enough to sustain the rest of the business. But it turns out it's it's a bigger business to create these customized treats for brands. So for BCBG, for their event during Fashion Week, we created hundreds of cookies in different patterns to match their collection. Um, and, you know, doing the treats themselves has become a much larger business. Catering, we cater savory, we cater sweet. That um, is a solid business too. It's honestly a mixture of things and I've gotten advice, all different kinds of advice along the way um, to not do so many things and just to focus. But I think actually doing a bunch of different things is beneficial to the business as a whole um, because it just leads to other conversations um, and other opportunities to work with um, other people. Okay, so what you thought was going to be the heart of the brand in the sheets ended up being more of like a an introduction yes. to meeting some of these cool brands. And you've worked with not just BCBG, but a lot of really cool brands. Tell us about some of the sort of most marquee names that you've worked with. Yeah, so I work a lot with Samsung, doing something completely different. I do cooking demos for them using their kitchen appliances. So nearly every month, um, I do a themed cooking demo at their store in the West Village. Um, you know, most recently it was holiday cooking. Um, and probably in the new year it'll be New Year's Resolution Healthful, you know, recipes. Um, Samsung is a great client. Sam Edelman, the shoe brand. Um, Tory Burch. A lot of fashion brands because what I do is so visual. But also, I mean, alcohol brands. Um, automobile brands, you know, just just a mix. And so when you're working with brands, will you um, basically figure out a customized visual for them that's their logo or a pattern that's relevant and then apply it to sweet treats like cakes and cookies and things like Usually that? Usually the design comes from the client, but sometimes I create it and that allows me to be creative in a different way, which I also love. It's a mix. It's all different. Okay, that's very cool. Um, do you find that people are direct to consumer purchasing the sheets or are they um, more interested in some of the other things that you have going on? Um, so around this time of year, Christmas holiday time, a lot of customers buy the tartan sheets so that they can create tartan um, cakes and cookies for their own holiday celebrations. And this is a time of year when a lot of people are baking on their own. Um, however, in terms of revenue, the much larger business is um, corporate, doing you know treats for corporate brands and, and delivering the treats themselves. Do you feel comfortable sharing any like metrics or numbers associated with your company? Um, sure, I mean, sure. What kinds of? I mean, I think my favorite, um, you know, metric is in year one, my business did X. And year three, my business did 20x. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And granted, the first year we did, you know, it was very small potatoes. 
but every year that we've you know since 2014 the business has grown um and you know i'm not ready to share exact numbers on what that looks like but um but i'm very proud of it that's really amazing um in terms of your future directions for the company what what do you have in mind i i really want to do a cookbook that is you know has tons of recipes but is also entertaining based so I love a good theme. I love to get really into um, one idea to surround a party, you know, to create, to inspire a party. Um, so I thought that I could do that in August, which was my is always my slowest month of the year because people are away, corporate brands aren't doing as many events. Um, but it's such a large undertaking that it's actually a multi-year project. But that's something I would love to do to share my tips and recipes with a larger audience. Um, I would love to do more TV, um, and I just really want to grow the business. Do you envision yourself as like kind of the next Martha Stewart? Is that sort of is, because you do so many different things and you wear so many different kinds of hats, um, like Martha Stewart? I think it's very similar, so it's easy to create that parallel. Um, however. Um, I think the aesthetic will be different and the tone because it's a different generation with social media will be very different. Yeah. I, how, how has social media played into your business model? I mean, I, 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 social media has um, really grown my business. It, it's amazing how Instagram, how social media has led to print media, which has led to um, business and I get DMs like that Lord and Taylor campaign that I showed you, Lord and Taylor contacted me through Instagram DM. And it's amazing how, you know, I can connect with celebrities and make their wedding cakes or birthday cakes, you know, just through this platform. And um, it, it, I, the growth of my business is due in large part to social media. It's amazing, right? I never yeah. thought I'd... It's same for me as well. I mean, we both have very visual fields in different ways, but I never thought I'd be getting DMs from like, you know, marquee names that I um, never thought I'd meet, and that's their sort of entry portal into the office. It's wild. Um, so it's just, it's made the world very small. Yes. Um, have you thought about expanding your in-person appearances and catering and things like that to other geographic markets? So in the summer, I do a lot of work um, in East Hampton, and I just got back from Miami for Art Basel, where I did a number of events too. Um, I'm happy, like I, I'm totally available and um, ready to do it. It's just where there's demand. So um, so I can do it and, and I love to do it. It's just New York has so much demand already that I'm, I'm pretty busy, but I would love to grow. Do, how many people do you have in your company? Do you have people who work for I you? I do, I do. At a given time, it can be as many as 30. But because the nature of the business is so um, inconsistent, for example, December, wildly busy, August, quiet, dead, crickets, um, I have had a ton of, you know, I have had full-time help before for my business at this point, it makes more sense to have contracted help. So, um, so that's what I do. So it's you, and then on an as-needed basis, you ha you hire people to help you yes. based on seasonal fluctuations. Yes, exactly. So that can be prep cooks, servers, you know, marketing help, um, you know, baking help, whatever. 
Do you manufacture the sheets yourself or are you doing that through another um, company that's helping you? The sheets are produced in a factory that specializes in food decorating products on the West Coast. So that is not done in-house. That's done in a totally sterile facility domestically. Um, and, I, you know, I can, you know, get on a plane early, early in the morning, go there, check samples and fly right home. Um, but I do outsource that kind of stuff where I can. And are, do they also help you with fulfilling orders, or are you doing that as well? We handle fulfillment. And so are you um, doing the custom printing yourself? The custom... I when in, in the case of a custom order, where I would create the visual, I would paint it, share it with um, the factory, and then they would help me create a screen to, um, to produce the custom sheets. That's amazing. That's so interesting because everybody wants to add a little bit of whimsy to their life and I feel like it's a very cute and whimsical way to elevate something that's ordinary. Like cookies are kind of ordinary. You know, there's they a cookie can be. there's a cookie everywhere. But, but you know, the cookier women or men don't it, like there are people who get so into decorating cookies, like could easily spend an hour like intricately painting cookies with icing. Um I look at my tool as a little hack. You know, you just you trim the sheet, stick it on, press go. Um, you have a cookie that looks really decorated but didn't take you as long as it could. That's, I, I feel like that's great because we all want to save a little bit of time. And so, you know, who doesn't want a little bit of time saved there? Were there any moments when you were kind of getting your business off the ground that you were worried that you that it wasn't going to work out, that this was like, oh my God, crazy idea, I should have stayed in tech. For better or worse, that never happened. And I think to be successful, you have to be slightly delusional. I mean, I, there are people who you know, doubt themselves and are still really successful, but that was just never the case for me. I was just like, I'm gonna make this work. Um, let me figure out how. Okay, so you always had the determination to make it work. If there are people who are listening to this podcast who want some specific advice from you about how to start your first business, what are kind of your three top pieces of advice that you'd give them? Um, I would say imagine yourself as the target consumer um, and, and be really consistent in the product and the message that you're providing. I would say take feedback really seriously and look at it as a gift. And third, I would say be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it might. It usually doesn't. And you just have to stick with it and, um, and work really hard in the meantime. Yeah, there's this expression I like that says every overnight sensation is a decade in the making. And there's a lot on the back end that people oh, yeah. don't really realize. Um, I, well, this has been so interesting talking to you. I wanted to ask you a few quicker questions. Um, what is your favorite project that you've ever worked on? Oh my gosh, the next one. I mean, I just get really excited about what I'm working on at the, in the given moment. So next week um, for Brooks Brothers Holiday Party, and this is the brand that I worked with. Literally, I, I, worked, I, I worked with them really since the beginning, but for their holiday party, we're doing a little card, a cookie card, and I'm really excited about that for next week. That'll be so cute. So cute. Do you ever work with private individuals for their parties? Um, not often, um, but it has. It just I, I just have a bigger um, uh, uh, minimum 
So often it, it makes more sense to work with brands. What is the minimum? Like if someone is interested, we have some really cool people who listen to this podcast. So if someone's interested in hiring Stephanie to, yeah. to sort of be a part of their next event, what are the specifics of that like? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just 100 cookies. So for someone doing a small dinner party, they wouldn't want 100 cookies. But for us to turn on the ovens and, and start producing custom cookies, it's going to be 100. Um, and I think everything else is just on a case-by-case basis. Um, way to customize um, the look of savory foods? Because the sheets are mostly about sweet treats. Yes. Um, so actually, this is a project for the Victory Club, the separate club I founded a couple of years ago. I still do art-inspired food a couple of times a month for those. So we've done everything from making ravioli look like a painting to stamping soup with you know Pratamarphasine and Pratamarpha is an installation in western Texas um but yeah it's something I love to think about all the you know I, it, it pushes my brain creatively to think about ways to customize savory food too so one thing that we didn't talk about in detail yet is that you are um a real social media presence like you're a social media influencer in and of yourself despite um these other businesses which are the ones that are really driving your bottom line um, do you have tips on what makes a great Instagram post? Uh, I because I see a lot of friends photographing their dinner, and it's not all Stephanie quality. Oh, no. you know, <laughs> I think um, <coughs> including people in the post helps them perform. I think just quality of the photograph itself helps. Um, interesting, genuine caption that um, that shares excitement. I think it's a variety of things, but um, at the end, you know happy person in the picture with a caption that reflects that is sort of the simplest way um, to describe, you know, to help you get likes. Yeah. Are you thinking about scaling your business up? Because you do an astounding amount of things just by yourself. Scaling my business up in what way? I mean, hiring clones of yourself to help you. I, 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 uh, or just maybe cloning yourself. That that's a an screen idea. printing a, yeah. a chef and edible self. <laughs> an edible self. Um. Yeah. No. Definitely. I. I am not so firm in in next steps. I just sort of um, adapt to what's needed. Okay. Amazing. Well, um, I wanted to close by asking you um, something that we ask all of our visitors on the podcast um you know you create such beautiful food and i think that the culinary experience is really part of what makes life special you know it's not just bread and water to survive it's like loving what you eat and elevating the dining experience um which i think is beautiful so i wanted to ask you what beauty means to you beauty in a person yeah or just beauty in a person um or beauty just as a concept I think something beautiful um, is attract you know attracts you toward it in some way. So in a person, I think a person who feels good in his or her own skin is um, you know really magnetic and and really beautiful. And you know in food, I think something you're really inclined to eat is a beautiful food. If it's you know food porny or like something like uh, something cheesy and oozy can be beautiful just as, you know, something you might experience at a fine dining restaurant. You know, just something that attracts you toward it. Yeah. Um, what do you think of those, um, like, 
close-up food making videos that are all the rage like they always go viral and they're so like you can't stop looking at them they are they're really addictive to watch I think they're mesmerizing and I really enjoy watching them myself um I'm not sure about the quality of all the recipes um I would recommend that when people are trying to actually cook they use a resource that has been you know a website or a book that's where the recipes have been tested and tried and everything like that that makes sense. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank I feel you. like we could chat all day. Yes. Um, and I really look forward to seeing all of the cool things that you're coming up with next. Can you tell people where to find you? Yes, chefany.com. All right. Thank you, Chefany. Mm-hmm.